Happy hauntings, horror fans, and welcome to this week's episode of Megan's Murder Movies. I'm your host, Megan, and this week we are diving into The Invitation, which we are doing the one that came out in 2022. I know there's quite a few films called The Invitation, uh, but this one we are going to do the one that recently came out. I went and saw it in theaters and actually really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people did not enjoy this one, but I thought it was a fun watch, so that's the one we're going to do this week. I hope everyone has had a nice two weeks. I know it's been a little while since I've been with you. What has happened with me in the last two weeks? Um, got to prep some podcast stuff, which was good. I got a new puppy, which was, has, which was, has been, is going well. Uh, he is four months old. I got another German Shepherd. And I love him. He's great. He's currently in my office with me trying to find a comfy spot to lay down while I record. So hopefully you don't hear him making too much racket in the background. I had a friend come visit for a long weekend, which was really nice. It's starting to warm up where I live. We're finally kind of consistently staying in double digits, which is nice um, because it's been snowy and cold here for a long time. So I'm excited for spring. I know that we got the the six more weeks of winter or whatever it is prediction which is a bummer but i am holding out hope and that we could see some sunshine and some of the snow here will melt soon but without further ado let's jump into a summary after the death of her mother and having known other known relatives evie takes a dna test and discovers a long lost cousin she never knew she had Invited by her newfound family to a lavish wedding in the English countryside, Evie's at first seduced by the sexy, aristocratic host. However, she's soon thrust into a nightmare of survival as she uncovers twisted secrets about her family history and the unsettling intentions behind their sinful generosity. Now we can jump into a cast breakdown, and we are going to start with our main character, final girl, Evie, and she is played by the absolutely stunning Natalie Emmanuel. She is an English actress, and she began her acting career appearing in the theater in the late 1990s. She was on the West End in The Lion King, and then in 2006, she began her on-screen career by starring as Sasha Valentine in the soap opera Holly Oaks, after which she appeared in various British television series until her debut film appearance in 28K. She gained international recognition for her role in the HBO series Game of Thrones from 2013 to 2019 as Miss Andry. And she continued her career with supporting roles in Maze Runner The Scorch Trials in 2015, Maze Runner The Death Cure in 2018, and the Fast and Furious films Furious 7, The Fate of the Furious, and Furious 9. And then she also had a role in Army of Thieves in 2021. Next, we will move on to Walter DeVille, who is played by Thomas Darty. Thomas is a Scottish actor, which I'm kind of really bummed that we didn't get the nice Scottish accent. He's got the, the English accent, which is always nice, but we do love a good Scottish accent. So I was a little bummed we didn't get the natural accent, but that's okay. He is a Scottish actor and singer from Edinburgh, known for his role as Sean Matthews on the Disney Channel musical series The Lodge, Harry Hook and the Descendants film franchise, Max Wolf in the HBO Max reboot of Gossip Girl, and of course Walter in The Invitation. And in 2022, he entered the world of audio, portraying Horatio Godkin in the limited series The Investor's Apprentice. Then we will move on to the role of Victoria, who is played by Stephanie Corneliansen. Stephanie has been on the cover of various magazines, including GQ, Vanity Fair, Treats, Versus, Playboy, and Vogue. 
She has also appeared in several ad campaigns and commercials for brands like BB, Armani, Dasani, Lexus, and Nikon. As of 2016, she is represented by PMC International, and she has had guest appearances on the USA Network medical drama series Royal Pains, the NBC sitcom Bad Judge, and the TV Land sitcom The Exes. On July 30th, she appeared in Matchbox 20's official music video for She's So Mean. For the American Anthaler horror television series American Horror Story, she portrayed the White Nun in the second season. In 2013, she appeared in the film Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, and the following year, she portrayed Tatiana in HBO's series Hello, Ladies. In 2015, she was cast as a reoccurring role in the USA Network drama thriller television series Mr. Robot, playing the character of Joanna Willick. For this show, she was nominated and won the Golden Globe Award for Best Television Series in a Drama. In September 2015, it was announced that she had been cast as Valentina Vostick in the CW series DC Legends of Tomorrow, a spinoff of Arrow and The Flash. In March 2016, she was promoted to a series regular and added to the main cast of Mr. Robot. In 2018, she was cast as the mysterious antagonist in the television series Deception. And in 2019, she appeared as Gabrielle Holler in Noah Hawley's Legion. Then we will move on to one of my personal favorites in the film, the character of Lucy, and Lucy is played by Alana Bowden. Alana made her television debut as Beatrice Selfridge in the second and third season of the ITV period drama Mr. Selfridge. She won the Rising Star Award at the 2016 London Short Film Festival for her performance in the drama The Earth Belongs to No One. That same year, she starred as Elaine Whitshear in the Canadian YTV series Ride. In 2017, she portrayed a young version of the title person Elizabeth Smart in the Lifetime biographical film I Am Elizabeth Smart, which she was nominated for Best Actress in a Television, Movie, or Limited Series the following year at the Critic Choice Awards. She appeared in the films Hostage Radio and Infamous Six. And then in 2022, she starred in Flowers in the Attic, The Origin, a Lifetime miniseries prequel based on the novel Garden of Shadows. And then she also appeared in the films Uncharted and The Invitation in 2022 as well. Then we will move on to Oliver, who is Evie's long-lost cousin. And Oliver is played by Hugh Skinner. Hugh starred in The Windsors, a spoof of the British royal family as Prince William, which aired on Channel 4 in 2016. In the same year, he had a role in Fleabag, a BBC three an amazon production where he played the protagonist hapless boyfriend harry the following year he played sir george howard in the first series of harlots an 18th century costume drama that premiered on itv encore and hulu in march in 2017 he played a supporting role in Hampstead opposite diane keaton and brendan gleason he also appeared in star wars the last jedi he co-starred in mamma mia here we go again in 2018 in which he played young Harry. In 2018, he also starred in the eighth and final episode of Matthew Weiner's anthology series, The Romanoffs, playing the role of Simon Burroughs. He reprised his role as Harry in season two of Fleabag. In 2019, it was announced that he had joined the cast of the period drama Little Birds, which premiered on Sky Atlantic in August of 2020. In December 2019, it was announced he would be co-starring in the film Falling for Figaro with Diane McDonald and Joanna Lumley. In 2021, he featured in the Radiohead music video for the song If You Say the Word.
Then we will move on to the role of Mr. Field or Renfield, who is kind of the main butler in the Carfax Manor. And he is played by Sean Pertree. Sean trained at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. After graduating in 1986, he toured with the Royal Shakespeare Company for three years. He appeared in Agatha Christie's Hercule Perriot, the, the King of Clubs, alongside David Schutz. He later appeared as Hugh Baringer alongside Derek Jacoby in the first series of the television series Catfall in 1994. In 1999, he portrayed Brutus in the Hallmark Channel film Cleopatra. Sean is perhaps best known for his portrayal of grimacing death, particularly in the film Dog Soldiers, a skill which would lead him to be given the award for Best Death Face at Bristol Old Vic. He appeared in the 2008 film Doomsday. His voice is frequently heard in a variety of television commercials, documentaries, and video games, including the medieval emperor-building computer game Medieval Total War and futuristic war games Killzone. Killzone 2, and Fire Warrior. He is also the voice behind the Northeast Tourism Advertisement, which started broadcasting in the start of 2009. He is the narrator of MasterChef The Professionals. He appeared in the film Devil's Playground, a horror film directed by Mark McQueen. He starred alongside Danny Dyer, Jamie Murray, Janet Montgomery, and Craig Bearbrass. The film was released in October of 2010. Sean appeared as a Nazi in the zombie film The Fourth Reich, which also appeared in 2010. He has starred in several dramatic works for BBC Radio 4, including playing the actor Oliver Reed in the play Burning Both Ends by Matthew Broughton. In 2014, he was cast in Fox's TV series Gotham, a series presenting an origin for the characters of the Batman franchise. Sean portrays Alfred Pennyworth, an ex-Special Forces soldier from London who works as the Wayne family's loyal butler. After Thomas and Martha Wayne are murdered, he becomes guardian and mentor to the future Batman. We've got two more people to chat about really quick. Next, we will move on to the character of Grace, who is Evie's best friend, and she is played by Courtney Taylor. Courtney is known for Insecure 2016, Single and Anxious 2016, Girl-Oriented Shit Show 2018, and then she also plays Erica in Abbott Elementary, and if you're not watching Abbott Elementary, give it a shot. It's amazing. I absolutely love it. It's like one of the few non-spooky horror things that I watch that I absolutely love, um, and Erica is a great character. Um, Grace, or like Courtney as an actress does a lot of comedy work. She does great comedy work in The Invitation and I really, really enjoyed the character of Grace. And the last person we will talk about is Dia or D slash maid number five and she is played by Tian Chaudhry. Tian's known for You Are Never Really Here 2017, The Invitation 2022, and Rogue Agent 2022. And that wraps up our cast breakdown, and we can jump into some fun facts. In an interview with Bloody Disgusting, director Jessica M. Thompson revealed that an alternate R-rated cut of the film would be released in VOD and streaming following the theatrical run. In the other version, more gore, violence, and nudity are added, which were removed from the theatrical version for a PG-13 rating. As Evie exits the airport, the last picture shown on the airport wall is of Whitby in North Yorkshire. As already mentioned to Evie by Oliver in New York, the supposed location of the film and the place that Dracula was said to have landed in England are 
one and the same. The statue of the dragon on top of an armored knight is a reverse of the traditional imagery of St. George slaying a dragon. The common depiction is of a knight above a dragon, either standing or on horseback, striking the dragon with a spear. The statue of a dragon slaying St. George, the patron saint of England, signifies the opposite outcome than in Bram Stoker's Dracula, where instead of being defeated and leaving, the vampire conquers England and establishes himself there. This movie was originally titled The Bride. Thomas Doherty replaced Garrett Hedlund for the movie. I think Garrett is the guy from Tron, if I'm not mistaken in my acting knowledge. The next fun fact we have is that Lucy is a character who also appears in Dracula. While Victoria bears resemblance to Dracula's daughter, the character Walter DeVille is loosely based on Bram Stoker's Dracula. Thomas Doherty starred in one episode of the series Dracula in 2013. It was on Netflix. At her first night at New Carfax Abbey, Evie wears an Outlander t-shirt to bed. Actress Carol Ann Crawford, who plays Evie's lady's maid, Miss Swift, played Miss Barrow in Outlander from 2016 to 2019. The Rolls Royce that Evie exits is left-hand drive, but should be the right-hand drive since they are, in fact, in the United Kingdom. Sam Raimi's company was attached to produce the movie at first. The invitation has the exact same runtime as Sony's previous vampire film, Morbius, also in 2022. Carfax Abbey is the name of the estate purchased by Dracula in the original book, so the name New Carfax Abbey hints at the owner's identity. The old couple that recapture Evie after her escape are named Jonathan and Mina Harker, which are the names of two very prominent characters in the Dracula book. Walter's surname Deville is a play on the devil. In modern Romanian, the English translation of Dracul is devil, further hinting at the true identity as Dracula. Lucy, one of the brides of Walter, is also the name of a victim in the Dracula 1992 film and the 1897 novel. According to director Thompson, there were two alternate endings for the film, one that was filmed and one that wasn't. The unfilmed ending would have had Evie keep her vampiric powers despite killing Walter slash Dracula and going out into the world to hunt other vampires while the film's end would have had Dracula survive the fire at New Carfax and return by ship to Romania, killing the crew and passengers on the way to survive. Thompson was not a fan of that ending as she felt it took away from Evie's triumph to have the vampire live to see another day and also because she felt it would suggest that there would be sequels sentiment shared by the test audiences as they also hated that ending thompson's original idea for the ending which is what the final film ends on was shot several weeks before the film's release and required the use of a double for hugh skinner as he was unable to film the scene it also allowed there to be one more scene for courtney taylor who was an audience favorite during the screenings and that is the end of our fun facts. Now we can jump into the scene-by-scene scene breakdown. I know a lot of people were super frustrated with this film because they feel like it's not anything new. And I don't see why that has to make it bad. Um, I don't really know if we're ever going to get new vampire movies. You know what I mean? And like we learn new things. There's there's going to be new stuff happening with vampires. I kind of think we know all the lore and everything that we can know about them. You know, I don't know if we're ever really going to get anything new from a vampire story. 
And so I don't think that that necessarily makes this bad. Like those were kind of the main things that I saw people complain about was it's, it's nothing new. We've seen things like this before. And I was like, but that doesn't make it bad. Like you may not like it. I thought it was enjoyable. I think it's a fun watch and I will definitely be watching it again. I really enjoyed watching it a couple times for the podcast this last week because uh, I just think it's a good movie and it's got a great cast. The actors are wonderful. There's some good jokes in it. it it's a fun film. I, I'm not mad about that. So the film opens with this gorgeous shot of what we later find out is New Carfax Abbey. A thunderclap sets the spooky nighttime scene. Inside the mansion is dark and we see the statue of the dragon and the knight, which I talked about. Up the stairs and down the hall, someone is walking. They're jingling keys and a man knocks on one of the bedroom doors. He tells the woman inside that she must eat. He unlocks the door and says she must be weak by now because she hasn't eaten. She says she won't do it anymore and he says you have to. She pushes him down and exits the room she can't get out the front door because there's people standing down there. So she goes into a room to the side and it has a piano. Also, her dress in this is absolutely stunning. It's very pretty. If you watch this, clock the dress. 10 out of 10. She then grabs a bust of what I'm assuming is supposed to be her. She has wrapped piano wire around the upstairs railing. She sits on the railing with the bust and we see that she also has wire wrapped around her neck. Everyone in the house starts screaming that she is out of her room and they need to find her. People are scrambling and the bells in the maid's quarter are going off rapidly. We zoom in on the woman and she says, it all ends with me. She slides off the railing and we see the bust break to the floor. The title card is on the screen and now we are in New York City. Our main gal, Evie, is working as a caterer and she's at this very rich, posh event and people are just being rude to her and it's... Kind of gives you everything you need to know about what's going on in Evie's life right now. She's having a tough time. Her and her friend Grace both work at the catering company. They were both on the same job. After the party ends, they're talking about how nice it must be to be rich and also talking about how stuck up the people were. They share how they were both groped multiple times throughout the evening by older men, which is very uncomfortable. And as they're talking about this, their boss comes in and says that if they're not appreciative, he could find two girls who are. He's a total jerk, but that's life. Grace leaves to go study, but she was able to swipe her and Evie swag bags and they have little bottles of wine and some other cool stuff inside. Now we are in Evie's apartment with her. She gets comfortable. She starts working with clay. She's very clearly an artist. She listens to a voicemail from her mom, and we learn that it's Evie's birthday. We also learn that she recently lost her mom to cancer, it looks like, based on the photos, and we find out the event she was working tonight was a genealogy kit launch. And there's one in her swag bag. We see her sign up, and she goes, what I'm assuming is the next day, to drop the swab off in the mail. Now, this must be a couple days later because Evie and Grace are having drinks in Evie's apartment, and she gets a notification that she has a cousin on the genealogy website. He wants to meet her. He says he's coming to New York from England and wants to grab coffee or tea. And you can tell right away that Evie is happy to not feel like she has no family now. Grace is a little bit unsure, but Evie's like, it's just coffee. It's okay. Evie shows up at this grand, I think it's a hotel, and her and Oliver end up grabbing lunch. He's very kind. They chat for a while. Oliver works in real estate, and he starts asking her all of these questions about her, her relationship status, her family, all of that stuff. She's trying to get her master's of fine arts, 
but she's currently just kind of doing catering jobs at the moment. He learns that her father died when she was young and her mother recently passed away. He apologizes and he tells her that she's part of the family scandal that goes back a couple decades. He tells her that her great-great-grandmother had an affair with a footman, and he says back then it caused quite a stir, but now everyone is so happy to know about Evie. And Oliver then invites her to the UK to attend a family wedding. He says that their cousin Martin is getting married and that she should come. Everyone would be very, very excited to meet her. And at first she says no, but he says he'll pay for it and again emphasizes that everyone is dying to meet her. She comes around and he really gets her by saying that she still has family. He takes her hand. He's like, we're here for you. We want to be in your life. You do still have people. She says yes, and now we see her landing in the UK. She's on the phone with Grace, and they're having this great conversation, and Grace is basically giving her these rules. You know, Evie's supposed to, to text her and check in to make sure she, you know, she's still alive, and Grace's big thing is not to trust men with goatees. Grace is clearly a really good friend, um, and while Evie and Grace may not be blood-related, they clearly have a very sister-like bond. Grace very much cares for Evie. Oliver is at the airport to greet her, and we see them drive out to the countryside. We learn the DeVille family lives there, and Evie and Oliver's family works with slash for them. They pull up, and it's this huge mansion. I would almost classify it as a castle a little bit. We see the maid slash wait staff arrive, and they have like these numbers on their collars. There are a total of five maids slash wait staff. Evie gets out of the car, and Oliver says, Welcome to Carfax Abbey. Evie is looking around and admiring the house slash mansion slash castle and accidentally bumps into one of the catering staff. She drops a box, she being the catering staff, drops a box of like wine glasses and many of them break. Evie bends down to help pick them up and then we meet Mr. Field. He is the head honcho of the staff. Mr. Field is very rude to the women and to Evie and she calls him out on this and then bump ba 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 Walter comes casually strolling up to save the day. He tells Mr. Field this is one of our important guests, and Evie says, why should that make any difference? Oliver turns back up, and Evie meets Walter officially. He is literally the head of the house, the lord of the manor. He jokes with her, and goddamn did they pick a good actor for Walt. Like, within 10 seconds of meeting him, you know he's a bad guy. Like, it's very clear that he's not going to be a good guy, but... He's got the charming English accent, he's making jokes, he's being kind, and so you just kind of, you just kind of forget about that a little bit, you just, it's just, you're, you're in denial, and it's good. He did a really great job. The whole time Evie is carrying this vase, and Walt asks her about it, and she says that she made it for the bride and groom, she made it herself, and Walt says that it's very impressive, it's very pretty, it's like got all of these different colors, it's a very beautiful shape, 10 out of 10 for her art skills. Walt gets pulled away and they share kind of a flirty little moment for a second and then Mr. Field comes back and says that he can escort Evie to her room. He takes her up and says she can go anywhere except the library because they are renovating. There are these large pieces of art that of course Evie notices. They go up the stairs and we see the space of the bust that was broken. It's still, that space is still empty. Outside of Evie's room is a woman named Miss Swift. She will be Evie's lady's maid. Evie is shocked, but of course, still polite. Miss Swift opens the door. And can we talk about this room for a second? Like, the set design for this film is so gorgeous. The ceiling with a custom tiling or 
patterning, whatever you want to call it. Then this like soft green walls with trees and flowers painted on them. The four post bed with the pinkish red sheets. It's so beautiful. I could live in this room forever. You can keep me prisoner in there. Just give me a bunch of books. And I, I love this bedroom so much. It's absolutely stunning. Evie and I share the same awe factor when we see the bedroom. And Miss Swift asks if it's up to her standards. And Evie says yes. Evie goes to the window and there are all of these bars outside the window. And Miss Swift says it's because of the shrikes. Local carnivorous birds. She explains they are quite brutal and will impale their prey on spikes. Evie looks out the window and spots Walt. She stares at him for a moment and then Miss Swift gets her attention. Miss Swift tells her about the bell for if she needs anything. And Evie tries it out and she keeps pulling it like over and over. And Miss Swift has to tell her to please stop. Then Evie spots a painting of the woman that we saw in the beginning, and Evie asks about her, and Miss Swift kind of gets teary-eyed and says that's the former lady of the house. Evie shows kindness and compassion for Miss Swift, and she clearly lost someone close to her, and she tells Miss Swift that she will be her easiest customer yet. Now it is evening, and Evie is on the phone with Grace, telling her about Walt. And it's really funny, because she's telling Grace the whole story about, you know, and then his butler who's a total asshole comes up and then the lord of the manor sweeps in and saves the day and then she makes the comment that he's super hot and grace is like who the butler or the lord it's great and then we get a knock at the bedroom door surprise it's walt he asks how she's doing and says he wants to make up for earlier and she's like well you can't really change a first impression but you can do better the second time they flirt for a little bit and then say goodnight. and grace in the scene she's so good because like she's still on the video call when walt and evie are talking so then when they get off uh they're talking and she's like you better snog him and evie's like i'm going for a jog good night we see evie go for a little jog and she sees this old building where this like shrieking noise kind of is coming from she turns and she sees the woman from the painting in her bedroom window evie then wakes up from a nightmare she looks at a chair in the room and it looks like someone is sitting in the chair but when she leans over and turns on the lamp next to her bed no one is there it is almost 3 a.m the witching hour evie gets up to get some water and sees the maids all lined up on the first floor one of them will be selected to clean the library they don't notice her upstairs watching and we keep getting these shots of Evie with like a decent bit of space behind her to the right. And then finally, we see something crawling along the wall and around the corner toward her. It's so slight. I don't even think I caught it the first time in the theater. I only caught when the figure is standing directly behind her when they cut the next time to her, all dressed in black with this like black veil over their face. Evie turns and the figure is gone, but when she turns forward, Miss Swift is there and it's a pretty decent jump scare. And she tells Evie that it's not safe in the dark. Then we hear a bell ding twice and that signals that number two, the maid with the two on the little collar, will be cleaning the library. Miss Swift says she will make Evie some tea, but she wants Evie to go back to bed first. We see two enter the library. Love the soundtrack on this. Really great song. Really good vibes. We see Mr. Field speaking under his breath in some kind of foreign language. Possibly Romanian, I would guess, based on the Dracula vibes. Now we are in the library with two. She puts music on and the lights won't turn on, so she has to light all these candles. She's cleaning and someone enters the library with her. A chair starts moving and she notices and she takes one of her earbuds out. Then all the candles blow out and very loudly, the song Just Like a Dream starts playing on an old gramophone. 
Number two looks worried and she looks up and something is over her. She screams and then something grabs her from the side. The music is shut off and now it's morning. Miss Swift wakes Evie up because she's running late. Evie arrives to the room and they're basically having a family reunion is what they call it. And when Evie gets there, it's a room full of a bunch of old white guys. Like there's only one other woman besides Evie in the room. We meet one of the oldest members of her family, Uncle Alfred, and he gives a toast welcoming Evie to the family, which is very nice. They look at her after Uncle Alfred is done and she's like, oh, I guess it's my turn. So she gives a little toast as well, first to Oliver, saying thank you. And then she says thanks to everyone for welcoming her with open arms. She's happy to have this whole new family and says that it's just like a dream. They all toast to Evie and then Dee slash the maid with number five. We learn that her name is, is Dee in the, in the beginning, um, but she's got the number five on her collar, comes up with a tray of food, and Evie's polite to her like always. And when Dee walks off, Oliver tells Evie that Walter was asking about where she was. Evie tries to act cool, but it's clear she's got a little bit of a crush on him. She confirms with Oliver that her and Walter are not related, and he says, not in the slightest. We see Dee leave the room and go into the cook area. Mr. Field comes up and has Dee and the gal who has the number four on her collar go into the wine cellar to get wine. It's dark and not safe looking. They go down the stairs and he shuts the gate and he starts speaking in the same language again under his breath. Down in the cellar, it's dark and they also need to light matches to see. The lights are flickering and they each take a row so they can check these wine bottles faster. Because Mr. Field asked them to find specific bottles of wine, not just like go grab a couple. He was like, this is the wine we need. As Dee is searching, we see a hand kind of mess with her hair. And it's just number four trying to scare Dee. It's a relief, but we, we all know in the audience how this is going to end. Another hand comes down, but this time it's not force. Dee turns and four is gone. Then we hear four down the hall a little bit. She's found the bottle that they're searching for. Dee goes to grab it, but it's stuck. Someone grabs her arm and is holding her there. Four is freaking out, and someone is behind four. When she turns, this person or thing has to be very tall since four is staring up at it. She drops the matches, and we see the thing's face a little bit. The thing snaps four's neck, and then Dee breaks free and crawls back on the floor. Her hand falls on this creepy-looking foot, and when she looks up, she screams, and we cut away. We go from this dark and creepy basement slash maid's quarter to this amazing outside of the manor and the lovely lighting inside. Evie gets back to her room and a gorgeous yellow dress is waiting for her, a gift from Walt to wear that evening. She smiles and now she's on the phone with Grace. They talk about the family reunion and Evie tells her about the dress. As they're talking, a bird flies into the window and scares Evie. Grace asks what happens and if she's okay and she says she's fine and then we cut to the party. It's outside on the grounds. It's very beautiful. Evie arrives and she looks phenomenal. She walks through the arch and her arrival is announced. Oliver comes to greet her and they get champagne and then the maids of honor are announced. Lucy Billington and Victoria Clockstock. Lucy is very kind and Victoria not so much. She's rude to Lucy and then she goes to like touch Evie's hair, which I should have maybe mentioned earlier, but uh, if you didn't know, Nathalie Emanuel is a beautiful black woman and victoria is white 
one, just don't touch people's hair. But it's such a microaggression to just like feel like you have the privilege basically to be able to just touch someone's hair because it's different from yours. You can admire it. You can give a compliment. And you can say, oh my gosh, I love your hair. It's beautiful. And then move on. Don't touch it. Don't ask a bunch of questions about it. If you're going to be rude, like don't say, hey, oh my God, is that your real hair? Not okay. Compliment it and move on. That's what we need. Don't touch it. Don't ask to touch it. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. But just don't t- don't go around touching people's hair. That's not nice. Back to the film. Evie asks how they each know Cece, and at first, neither girl seems to know who Evie is talking about. But then Lucy seems to put two and two together and says that they have known her for years. Lucy explains that their families have worked for the DeVilles for ages, the Billingtons handle the legal affairs, and the Klopstocks manage the finances. Victoria is still being very passive-aggressive. Evie finishes her drink and then goes to get a refill. She looks at Lucy and says, it was very nice to meet you, before kind of glaring at Victoria. Evie walks off, and Victoria wants Lucy to come with her, but she follows Evie instead. Evie and Lucy continue to talk, and Lucy wants to come to New York. Evie says she'll show her around, and Lucy is very excited and very thankful. And then Walt arrives. He goes right over to Evie and pulls her for a dance. She says she doesn't know how, but they dance pretty beautifully. She seems a little stiff at first, but, you know, he says it's just tradition, and he's supposed to start the dance and all that nonsense. We see Oliver and Victoria talking, and she's bad-mouthing Evie. She congratulates Oliver on something, and then Walt asks Evie if she wants to get out of there. She agrees, and the two of them sneak off. They walk through the garden, and she asks if he ever gets bored, and he says yes. Then she notices a statue of Eve, and it's depicting Eve having to choose between knowledge or nudity. A possible foreshadow? Evie knows the time period the piece came from, and Walt seems very impressed. She asks about the building that she saw in her run, and Walt says it's the old ice house, basically what they used before refrigeration and freezers were a thing. He then says he wants to show her something, and they continue on. He takes her to this beautiful greenhouse room, which must be like his study or like his personal room. He has a clay wheel and asks her to give it a shot, and he says that he's not very good at it. Evie mentions that she doesn't want to ruin her dress, and he jokingly says, oh, that's fine, I'll buy you a new one. And then he kind of shakes his head, and he's like, sorry, I realize how bad that sounded. And we learn from Evie that her mom got her into ceramics. They talk about her mom, and Evie explains that she feels like the ceramics keeps her close to her mom. She asks about his parents, and he says they're no longer with us and that it happened a long time ago. Evie says she's sorry and then says, look at us, a couple of orphans. Dickens would have a field day. Walt starts being self-deprecating, and she tells him to stop doing that. She explains that he does have redeeming qualities, and they talk a little bit more, and he's being very flirty, and then he finally just says, when are you going to kiss me? They go in to kiss, and then all of these fireworks start going off like literal fireworks outside. Evie pulls back. And she jokes that it's cliche. And he goes, I could turn them off, like jokingly. She shakes her head and they finally kiss. We see Victoria standing outside the room watching them. Now Walt is thanking his guests for coming and him and Victoria chat. She asks if Evie turned into a pumpkin and he says that Evie is recovering from jet lag. Victoria is being rude again and he tells her to play nice. She says always and then we're inside the house. We see the empty bus stand again, and Evie is in bed. She wakes up, and something is in her room. It's above her bed. She reaches for the lamp, and then something calls her name. We hear a loud shriek, and then Evie jumps out of bed and crawls underneath. 
She breaks the lamp in the process, and we see the blanket get pulled up, and hands start to reach down, and then Evie is dragged backwards. It's Walt. He's trying to comfort her. She's totally freaking out. She says something's in here. He turns on the big light, and the room is empty, aside from the two of them. Evie is so scared, and Walt says that she's safe. He hugs her, and then we see Miss Swift cleaning up the mess that she made. Evie tries to help her, and Evie says she feels like she's going crazy. Miss Swift looks like she's going to say something to Evie, but then stops when Walt comes back in the room and basically dismisses Miss Swift. Walt goes to say goodnight to Evie, but offers to stay until she falls asleep. She agrees, and then they get into bed. She gets under the covers, but he lays on top of them, and they have a very, like, deep conversation. He asks what she wants out of life, and she says she wants to live life fully and throw caution to the wind. She then asks him the same question, and he says he knows that he should be lucky and that he is lucky, but he's lonely and wants to share his life with someone. He doesn't want to keep having to keep up appearances, and he says that this life is very isolating. As he's talking, Evie falls asleep. He smiles, and when she wakes up in the morning, he's gone. She finds a note on the pillow that he was laying on that says, You looked so peaceful, I didn't want to wake you. See you tonight, Walt. Evie smiles, and then someone knocks at the door. Lucy and Victoria come in to get her and say they're going for a spa day. They give her a robe, and Victoria says that they heard she had quite the night. Evie looks a little embarrassed, and Lucy says not to worry because it took her a while to get used to the house as well. Victoria says she can leave her phone there since there's not going to be any service where they're going. Evie messages Grace, saying that she's safe, and says they're going to the spa. She gets changed, and now we see this gorgeous bathhouse. The women are getting their nails done, and Victoria decides to swim naked. Lucy starts asking Evie a bunch of questions. She asks if she'd like to get married, and Evie says maybe in the future, but not right now. Lucy and Evie are talking, and Lucy asks if Evie has any siblings. Evie says she doesn't. One was enough for her parents. And Lucy mentions that she has brothers, but she always wanted a sister. Victoria starts being rude and basically saying that Lucy is yapping like a dog and needs to leave Evie alone. Evie leans in and says, I always wanted a sister too. And we keep getting close-ups throughout these conversations of them getting their nails done. And it's really speedy and worrisome. And like, you know, something bad is going to happen, but you're like, they're just getting their nails done. Like what's going to be so bad? But it it put me on edge. I'm not going to lie. Victoria asks about Evie and Walt. And she says, what has he told you about us? And Evie's not falling for the games Victoria's playing. She's like, you know, if there was something important to tell, he would tell me. But there must not be anything important because he's not mentioned it. Victoria's kind of pushing the issue. And Evie says that she doesn't see a point in digging up skeletons. Victoria says, oh, come on, we would all snoop if we had the chance. Read diaries, read text messages, read emails. Like, don't act like you're above everyone else because you say you wouldn't do that when in reality anyone would and evie just says we'll have to agree to disagree right about this moment evie gets cut with the little like cuticle trimming scissors and starts bleeding victoria comes up out of the pool and puts evie's finger in her mouth to like get the blood it's i mean obviously we're dealing with vampires but because evie hasn't clocked into that it's it's a little odd Evie gets upset and kind of rushes out of there. Victoria laughs and Victoria tells her to lighten up and says that Evie will learn to love her. She's a bit forceful with Lucy and Lucy almost looks like she's kind of being punished for everything that's going on. Evie goes to walk past the library and then 
goes to the door. She gets the key that she saw Mr. Field take out and goes inside. She walks around and then goes to the desk at the far end of the room. While turning on the light, the little lamp on the desk, she bumps a basket and all these papers fall out. And she finds a file with her name on it. And it's full of information about her. She gets upset and goes upstairs to pack. Walt comes in and sees her, and she tells him that she's leaving. He asks why, and she hands him all the papers, and he says he can explain. She gets upset and says, you wanted to get to know me, but you already had all of this. She asks if he vets everyone or just people like her, and he says that has nothing to do with it. He explains so many people have taken advantage of him, and when Oliver asks if he could invite Evie, Walt wanted to make sure she wasn't after something. She accepts his answer, but says that he should have just asked the questions that he wanted to know. He says that he's not used to this and he smiles and he goes, did we just have our first fight? And she's like, don't be charming. And then he says that she's not the only one scared of getting hurt. She doesn't believe him. And he says that he was scared when he saw her packing. They agree no more secrets and then kiss. They have sex. And then after that, they're talking in bed. He says they should get married. And he's like, we have everything we need. We could just make it a double wedding. And she jokingly agrees. He gets up to go get ready, and he says that he left a dress in the wardrobe for her. They kiss, and as he goes to walk out the door, she says, you know I was joking, right? And all he does is smile and leaves. Evie seems very happy, and now we are at the rehearsal dinner. We see the table covered in food that, to be honest, doesn't look that good. Everyone is seated. When Evie comes in, she sits at the head of the table next to Walt, and everyone has these Venetian masks. Evie doesn't seem too concerned, and Walt stands up to make his toast. He introduces everyone, and he names each of the families, and they hold their, like, pointer finger and middle finger to their mouth and do, like, a blowing kiss motion, like, Hunger Games salute type thing. Walt says the feast can begin, and everyone is excited to eat. Evie asks Walt about the bride and groom, and he smiles and stands up once again. He reminds everyone that the families have worked together for years, but there has been someone missing from the table. Someone vital to our alliance. But tonight, the broken bond will be renewed when Evie and I are wed. Evie is not happy. Everyone is clapping, though. Walt says that they can bring out the refreshments, and the last maid, number one, comes to the table and sets down a punch bowl. Victoria is excited, and Mr. Field comes up behind number one and slits her throat. Evie is shocked, and this is when we very clearly see that Lucy, Victoria, and Walt are vampires their fangs come out they seem very excited for the blood they're like controlling themselves they're not like going all frenzied um but they can't hold back their excited happy smiles evie is crying and everyone is laughing we see everyone tear into the food and we get this really uncomfortable like eating montage walt looks super happy miss swift looks scared mr field gets drinks for walt and then i'm assuming we'll get one for victoria and lucy as well Walt then explains that the families give him wives, three, the magic number, and in return, they get safety and prosperity for generations. They are the strongest when there are three, and he says when his Alexander bride chose to leave them, the union was compromised. Evie is putting all the pieces together and realizes the picture in the room she is staying in is her great-great-grandmother. Walt proposes a toast to Evie. She looks like she's going to be sick, and Oliver tells Evie congratulations, and then a toast is made to the bridesmaids. Evie gets up to try and leave, and she goes to the door, but the footman won't let her leave. Walt asks her where she's going, and she says she wants to go home, and Walt says, this is your home. We are your family. Evie is crying, and she asks 
the others to help her. She says they're all monsters, and she's pounding on the door and yelling for help, and Walt turns her around and kisses her. He tells Lucy and Victoria to get her prepared. Tonight is for the girls, and tomorrow is his. Miss Swift looks ashamed, and we see Evie get dragged into the basement by, it looks like, two of the footmen. She's tied to a chair and gagged. She's crying, and we hear clanking behind her in this room, and then Lucy and Victoria walk in. They say tonight is her bachelorette party. Lucy says there is no need to cry. Tomorrow, they will be sisters, and they will be three perfect dolls for the master. Lucy's trying to be kind and helpful, and Evie asks to be let go. Victoria explains that Emmeline started to refuse to feed on the help, and it put everyone in jeopardy. Lucy says that she was lovely but became confused, and Victoria says that Evie's not going to let them down like that, right? Evie puts together that the thing in her room was Victoria, and she apologizes and says that she was in a playful mood. Evie says, why are you doing this to me? And we learn the bloodlines are rare. The combination of the three make them immune to the effect of time, and Lucy says they have both been in her position and that choices were limited for women back then. We learn Victoria has been with Walt for over 500 years, and Lucy has been with him for about 100. We learn that at the ceremony, you will be bound to the master and to us. When you drink his blood, you will absorb his power, and you will gain the strength of a hundred men. But only after the master drinks your blood will we all be granted eternal life. You will enjoy your power for as long as he lives. And then from behind Evie, number five jumps up. She's the one that was making the clanking sounds. V goes to get rid of her, but Evie begs her not to. They decide to save five for the ceremony. For Evie, as a gift. They show Evie her coffin, and she begs not to be put in there. Lucy says not to worry that they can come out during the day, and Lucy mentions there are so many misconceptions about their kind. They untie her and lock her in the coffin for the night. Also, this coffin is standing. Like, how do they expect her to sleep at all? Maybe they don't. But Evie is pounding to get out, but it's not going to work. We hold on Evie pounding for a while, and then it's the next morning, afternoon. I'm not quite sure on the timeline with all of this stuff. They don't make it super clear. But it's all quiet in the cellar. Evie is still up, and we hear banging and creaking. The coffin door opens, and it's Miss Swift. She's trying to save Evie. She tells Evie she has to run and get help, and Evie asks why she's helping her, and Miss Swift explains, your great-great-grandmother was a dear friend, and she tried to hold out, but being married to a monster was too much to bear. We hear shouting, and Miss Swift says Evie must move fast, and if she sees one, a stake, beheading, or fire is the only way to kill them. Evie asks what will happen to Miss Swift, and she proudly says she will get what she deserves. Evie runs through the underground tunnels. The bells are going crazy, and we see Mr. Field with, like, a machete, I'm assuming. Evie continues to run, and she makes it outside. She misses a pair of butlers and hides in the ice house. Inside, she finds dead bodies, and then the door opens. She's able to hide, and the people who came in was Mr. Field and another butler carrying a dead Miss Swift. Evie's under the table where they lay Miss Swift, and she tries not to freak out. Mr. Field tells the other worker to scour the grounds because she won't get far. The other butler leaves, and before Mr. Field can leave, blood drips on Evie, and she makes a small whimper. He hears this and walks around the room looking for the source of the noise. As he walks around to where she was, she goes out the other side and beats him out the door. She's able to lock him in and takes off into the woods. She's still running in this, like, large evening gown that she was wearing. Absolutely beautiful, by the way. Really pretty red color. So she's running in this large ball gown, and then she hears a bell ringing. She follows the sound, and she sees a town lower down the hill. 
She makes it to the town and stops at the first place where she sees people inside. This older woman is in the window and Evie asks for help. The woman says that they don't have any money and Evie explains that they are coming for her, the DeVilles. The woman tells her husband that there's a girl out there and they let her inside. Evie looks relieved. She goes in and the husband's on the phone. The wife makes Evie some tea and then the wife has to get on the phone because her husband is hard of hearing so he's having a hard time with the phone call. We soon learn they are the Harkers. His name is Jonathan and hers is Mina. Mina gets on the phone and explains that the girl says she's escaped New Carfax. Evie's looking around and the husband says she should drink her tea. Evie finds an old photo of the couple with Mr. Field in front of New Carfax. They used to be on the staff. Evie throws the tea in the husband's face and when she goes to run, Mina hits Evie over the head with a little statue. As Evie loses consciousness, Mina says, don't fuck this up for all of us, my dear. Next, Evie is waking up in Walt's lap in the library. He tells her it was a gallant attempt, but he hopes she has it out of her system now. Walt puts on music, and she asks what he is. He explains the names he's been given in the past. He says to think about what she's gaining here. She will have wealth and power and health, no sickness, a sense of belonging, family. Then he says, for someone of your background, this is more than a leg up. And then she spits in his face, which is valid. Walt grabs her arm and wipes the spit from his face with her hand. He is clearly squeezing her arm very hard, and he explains it would be easier if she came willingly, but thankfully for him, consent basically doesn't matter. As long as they drink each other's blood, they're good to go. Now we see number four waking up in the library as well, and she starts crying. Walt then starts feeding off number four right in front of Evie. Evie looks like she will be sick and then eventually faints, and Walt catches her and lays her on the couch. He leaves, and we can't seem to see what's happening at the moment, Um, and we realize that we're seeing through Evie's veil. Things become clearer, and her uncle is walking her down the aisle. We're in this really dark chapel and see the couple Evie went to for help, as well as Lucy and Victoria and the three families. Walt is up front kneeling, and Evie kneels beside him. He says she is glad she came to her senses, and there's this large man in a cloak and a mask officiating. We see Dee tied up off to the side, a gift for the new bride. The ceremony starts, and Evie looks sick. She's looking around and sees all the candles. They both say, I do, and then Evie is having flashbacks from what Lucy told her and the voicemail from her mom and her great-great-grandmother saying, it all ends here with me. Now comes the time to exchange blood. Evie has to drink first, and she goes for it. Walt has to tell her to slow down, and Victoria looks very jealous. We now see Evie growing stronger with the blood. Her fangs come in, her nails get long, Walt says it's his turn, and she says hold on and walks over to Dee. Evie says she wants her next. She can see the vein in Dee's neck pulsing. Evie holds for a moment and then slides all the candles off the table, and the room goes up in flames. She then grabs one of the broken candles and stakes Walt with it. Victoria grabs him, and her and Lucy are freaking out. People are running out of the chapel. Evie and Oliver lock eyes. He says, please. She growls at him, and he turns and runs. We see Walt aging slowly, dying. Evie gets D, and they try and escape, but as they get to the main entryway, Victoria tackles Evie to the ground. 
they fight and Victoria kind of seems to have the upper hand. Like she has been doing this for 500 years after all. Victoria tells Evie what she did was only a flesh wound. She then grabs Evie with her nails and Dee comes up behind Victoria and hits her, which gets Evie out of Victoria's clutches. Evie tells Dee to run and Victoria gets Evie again and Victoria says, you will never be one of us. You're only a halfling. Evie chuckles and says, is that all you got? Lucy then hits Victoria and the two of them argue and end up fighting. Lucy and Victoria are fighting and they seem fairly evenly matched for the most part. Lucy's saying she doesn't want to do this anymore. She doesn't want to be a part of it. And Lucy ends up impaling both her and Victoria on the spear that the knight has on the dragon statue. So like the dragon is on top of the knight. His spear is poking off of basically the slab that the statue is on and lucy impales her and victoria on it they die in each other's arms victoria is trying to be soft with lucy at the end as they're turning to dust and evie watches them basically turn to dust and float away evie goes to leave again and mr field is there and he attacks her Mr. Field says that he should have killed her grandfather when he was a baby and as he tries to impale her with this really long stick, Evie's able to just break it and stab Mr. Field very easily. She calls him an asshole and then grabs the piano wire that she finds in the room. She walks through the manor and she's on her way to the front door, but Walt is behind her crawling on the walls. He's old and looking pretty rough. He says he was doing her a favor and she says she would rather die than be part of all of this. He says modern women are so ungrateful. She calls him a monster and he says he's a god. She takes the piano wire, puts it around his arm, and pulls tight. His bones are weak now, and his hand breaks off. She kicks him into the flames, and we see her power leave her. She looks totally badass, and she walks out of the burning mansion. The screen goes black, and then we see it's two weeks later, in London. Oliver is on the phone and talking about how they paid off the cops, but they may need to possibly leave town. He goes into a building, and then Grace and Evie are across the street watching him. Evie has cut her hair, and... Her and Grace talk about how they're going to take Oliver out. Evie says she wants to take the lead and begins to cross the street. Grace, like, randomly grabs this baseball bat, and Evie's like, where did you get it from? And Grace is like, it's ironic, right? Bat? Vampire? It's a good, great laugh. And then the credits start rolling. And that is the end of The Invitation. I think this movie is a really fun watch. I think it could be a great starter film for the younger generation getting into horror movies and that sort of world and vampires and stuff i've got a, a friend whose niece is super into scary stuff i think this would be a little tame for her she when she was like four years old used to watch those scary clown videos on youtube remember when there was just like clowns showing up with like weapons hanging out on sidewalks like scaring people she loved those she loves pennywise all of that stuff but i could see this as kind of like a like an introduction to like a very young generation getting into horror i think it's really fun i think it's a good watch is it something we've never seen before no but again i don't think that makes it bad i'd love to hear your thoughts though if you enjoyed today's episode please give it a like rate whatever wherever you listen 
and would really appreciate it. If you want to know what the podcast is up to on socials, I have the podcast on social media under M Murder Movies. So that's M as in Massacre Murder Movies on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can kind of see what I've been up to, what I've been watching, what I've been reading, that sort of thing. And I, again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Super excited to be back for the next four weeks, getting some stuff done. So we did the invitation today and next week we're going to do Nope, which I'm super excited about. Get to talk about Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer and Steven Yen. It's going to be awesome. Make sure you tune in for that because I'm super pumped for that episode. And I hope everyone has a safe week or weekend whenever they're listening to this. And remember to stay safe and stay spooky.